1: welcome inside the celtics lab podcast after six weeks in quarantine a lot about our relationship with basketball has changed and in some unexpected ways both for the better and for the worse we'll talk about the coronavirus pandemic's impact on our favorite sport and more but first let's check in with our guest nick fryer how you doing nick
2: i'm doing well thanks how you guys doing
1: Well, as I'm sure you can hear, um, all the neighborhood dogs are pretty sick of being in quarantine in my neighborhood. I don't know how it is in your area, but I think we all want to get out and get some walking or really anything going on. What about you, Cam?
0: I'm good. I'm uh, just outside of Boston, so good weather is hard to come by. Uh, So when it does come around, it's really just spectacular. So Nick,
1: uh, Nick writes uh, for the same company that I do. Um, Those of you listening are probably encountering this through the Celtics Wire. Nick writes for the Nets Wire. He's the general manager over there. And I'm sure most of the listeners have figured out by now that Cam is over at Celtics Hub and off the glass. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff related to how the pandemic has changed um, our sport and how we consume it and how we produce it. The thing we're trying to do, and we're doing this before the second installation of two episodes of uh, the Michael Jordan ESPN documentary, oh, The Last Dance. Um, so we're going to try to, you know, talk quick so we can actually see it and not miss any of it. Uh, but the first installation, did you guys see it? What do you guys think of it? I mean, I'm sure you guys saw it, but what do you think of it?
0: Nick, I'll let you go first.
2: Oh, OK, great. I thought I thought it was awesome. I mean, there was look, there's some retread with Michael Jordan stuff. You hear the story about high school basketball, but they add a little bit of a twist where they talk, you give his mom's perspective and everything. So that was a nice touch. I, I just my thing is, after watching those first two episodes was I like that we're getting some a, a greater look inside Scottie Pippen. We're expecting to see more with some of the other players or whatever. And obviously, we want to dive deeper into 97, 98. But I like it It wasn't too much retread. I just want to make sure we don't get too, too much retread on on MJ's story. Give us some new stuff.
0: I thought that was what was so successful with it was, I mean, there's so many great MJ documentaries that have already been made. And, like, they anchor the story of the Bulls around that one season, but they give you so much breath to enjoy other aspects of, like, that entire journey. I thought the Scottie Pippen stuff was so good. Um, There's so much about Scottie Pippen that I didn't know and the way the story was told – I mean, the Jerry Krause stuff is just unbelievable. So, yeah, I'm with you, Nick. So long as they keep taking long walks and bringing different angles and, like, new stories, I think this is going to continue to be appointment television because the first two uh, installments uh, really made me happy.
1: Likewise, I was not expecting to see very much in the way of um, Boston Celtics connections. In fact, uh, when, when I wasn't even necessarily planning on watching it from the perspective of trying to generate content from it, which was probably not the brightest thing in the universe. But um, I was really pleased to see uh, the, the whole uh, 63 point game that was in the 1986 NBA finals. Um, I was blown away by the Danny Ainge golfing story. I think that was one of the, yeah, the hidden gems. Going. Yeah. I don't want to belabor that particular incident because by now it's been been covered pretty, pretty well. But I mean that and like uh Rick Carlisle, I mean, I knew Rick Carlisle was a Boston Celtic. I was too young to actually remember him as a person on the team. He was just a body back, back when, when, when that was actually happening in my life, I was just kind of the Celtics at that point in my life, were just background noise. But to actually see a guy that like I've interviewed get completely posterized by Michael Jordan in such a way, it, it was just, that was the high point of the series for me so far. But It's kind of sparked this whole return to history that has really been powering um, sports media lately. It's really the only game in town right now is revisiting the deeds of the past um we're kind of getting a crash course in oral history on a level we've never seen i mean these conversations they always they come up they go away they come back again we get new takes of the same interviews with the same people but now it's like the whole weight of the entire sports media apparatus is just bearing down on history and we thought that that would be a really good thing to to kind of explore um that and some other aspects of it but toward the Celtics wire. I've been doing daily history posts. I don't know. I put some of this stuff in the notes. Does anything stick out to you, Cam? I mean, something
0: that's near and dear to my heart, uh, just because it's something I've written about in the past, was that Saturday, April 25th marked the 70th anniversary of Chuck Cooper's drafting. Um, He was the first black man to be drafted into the NBA. I think that is worth noting. Um, I mean, I think you've been doing such a great job of cataloging all these uh, little moments. Some, like, Hondo stole the ball. Um, that are well known and then less documented little tidbits of Celtics history. I think you've been doing a great job with that. And there's just so much about, I mean, I grew up a Celtics fan, but there's so much about even the 80s Celtics, let alone the 60s and 70s, that are, uh, I know the numbers and the rafters, but I couldn't tell you the stories. So uh, a small ray of hope in this weird moment of history that we're in is reaching back into the past and kind of learning some of these names and some of the interesting stuff. A, a rival celtics podcast uh that i won't name had tommy on tommy heinson
1: oh you and, should name them let's lock on celtics and they yeah, are yeah. saviors man i'm loving that <laughs> i have to if you're listening uh john thank you thank you for doing this it's been keeping the same but anyway i'm sorry
0: well so anyways he had um tommy heinson on and tommy was talking about how his celtics would beat the 86 celtics and not only is that anecdotally anecdotally just phenomenal but i think he raises a good point and to Kind of like have that thought experiment play out was really great. So anyone that's using this moment to come up with creative content angles, uh, bless them.
2: Speaking speaking of looking at things from different angles, and Tommy's take on that, which I think is is a little bit ridiculous. When I watched <laughs> the the Michael Jordan documentary, mm-hmm. um, the when we watched the, the the game where he goes and drops sixty, I mean that's against the eight. That was. Um, that's against you know, Larry Bird and all them at their best, and I'm watching it, and I did not realize how bad those Bulls teams were in those first few years when Michael was there. I mean they're talking about all the you know, cocaine and, and all the other stuff that they had going on, and he had nobody there with him. Then he gets Scotty. Then he gets Horace Grant, and then they start – you know obviously the Pistons were an issue for them still, but they start to have a little bit more success and obviously start winning. I mean, if he had uh, for the longest time, just being a kid who, who grew up and, you know, his old man was a Larry fan and all his buddies were Larry's fan, Larry Bird fans and McHale and all this. I mean, I always thought 86 Celtics best team ever, you know, the Warriors came along, whatever. And, and I saw, you know, Jordan in the Bulls, but I was still a kid, even in his last year after watching what he did then against, again, that team that had Bill Walton on it. I was thinking, wow, you know, I don't i don't know if i would ever make that argument ever again that the 86 celtics would beat you know the bulls at their absolute peak I, I i know was it is it a 95 96 team that's regarded as the best team of all time is that what it was
1: um i would say about that i mean i was i was watching basketball but not super super intensely so i wouldn't have been able to tell you from a, a i was more of a casual fan at that point in my life
2: yeah when i was researching it that's what that's what i think popped up and, and it honestly I, I just i i don't know that any team even looking at where the 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 Warriors were at their peak and everything and in the heat and whatever I I still think you know Scotty Jordan and I guess Rodman would have been at that point Um, I, I mean I still think that that's that's the team to beat all time
1: it's very hard for me to do these comparing comparing of errors thing because so much of it arises in opposition to whatever else is working very very well and I think that probably when you when you pick these different eras against each other there'll be one aspect or another aspect about them that might be able to beat certain other eras but if they were able to coexist over time with each other it's it's very to me it seems like it seems like it's a it's a difficult thing to have an argument about like when you started talking at the beginning of this this podcast about I'm not wanting to deal with too much retread. I mean, you you couldn't be more accurate with what it was like to be a basketball fan back then. All we ever saw was Michael Jordan. <laughs> it, it made it made the Warriors. I mean, I you know I understand that like we we connect with media sports media in such a more intense way now, but it just felt way more intense. I, I kind of do agree, at least in that sense, like in its time, I don't think there was ever a greater period of dominance. Now, I didn't live through the, the 60s, so it's it's not really fair for me to say that because I obviously didn't, and Tommy did, so he, he at least has that going for him, but I tend to agree with you as well that I don't necessarily see any team other than peak Michael Jordan being comparable with the caveat that those eras are, are very difficult to compare in general.
2: Yeah, and yeah, I mean you look at now everybody the guys are much better long range shooters than they were back then. Larry wasn't taking threes like you see Steph Curry taking now or even like Reggie Miller was taking back in the 90s. So it, it's totally different eras, but just looking at the how it's Kind of the 90s are that middle ground to, from what we see now to 86, or, you know, the 80s. That's kind of where I make that comparison. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's so difficult because, I mean, you go back to Bill Russell days and, you know, Bill Russell's the greatest champion in team sports history. I mean, He won 11 times in 13 seasons or whatever it was. And then he has like two NCAA titles in a gold medal. But nobody ever gives him credit. It's always MJ. You know, so I, I mean, I, I get your point.
1: Yeah, he you put your finger on, on why Bill Russell is my favorite winner. Um I won't make the argument that he is the greatest of all time because again, kind of with the whole comparing of team things, it's it's very very difficult to make those comparisons, but I don't think there's any argument that he was the greatest winner of all time without dwelling on this stuff too too much because we could go down this rabbit hole for for hours and hours and hours. Let's talk about some actual basketball news. There is, believe it or not, some things that are actually happening that are not historical. Like um, Jason Terry uh, being up for the assistant coach uh, vacancy with Arizona. but. More of concern, and I wanted to get you guys' opinion on this. This is pretty recent; it's only about a day old now. Is news that the league, the NBA, may open up uh, practice facilities depending on local uh, condition related to the pandemic, whether or not there are you know shelter-in-place orders that are still in place. Part of Woji's reporting seemed to kind of hint that some of this might have been you know caused by Georgia opening up, for example, gymnasiums and players saying, well, Hey, can I go get ready for the season in Georgia since it's safe there? It's not, Um, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but that's the conversation I'm at least imagining in my head. Maybe I'm kind of projecting. I just wanted to get your guys thoughts on, on what you're hearing and what you're thinking about this. I mean, I think there's
0: a lot of things or a lot of angles. Some are maybe more generous than others. I mean, it's lunacy. It's, The word that comes to mind for me. I think these people uh, have to sit around and do their jobs and come up with contingency plans. And Adam Silver will say point blank, we don't have enough information to like really know about this. Um, I think the NBA is such a fascinating cosmos because you have old money and new money, and you have people that are really good at their jobs and people who are really bad at their jobs. And so, if you, for example, go and see the Woj story and read some of the quotes or some of the paraphrasings. One of the GMs is – I mean, he's not quoted, but Woj says one of the GMs claims that practice facilities are among the safest possible environments in this pandemic.
1: Like, what? What does that
0: even mean? (laughs) How can you qualify that statement? That's such a ridiculous thing to say.
1: Science, clearly. Yeah, that's – Sarcasm, sorry. Just in case it's not clear.
0: I mean, I I don't know how many people work at the practice facilities, but it's not fair to them. I don't know how many people – have to work with the medical staffs. So it's not fair to them. It just, I don't know. We live in a country where testing for coronavirus is neither rapid nor readily available. And so yeah. the suggestion that you're going to move your entire workforce to a few key cities and somehow keep them, the people that work with them, their families safe, not only is it again I use the word lunacy, it borders on immoral. So I just I don't think that the NBA or other sports leagues are wrong to think out loud with these things but to suggest that because you can go get a tattoo in uh georgia means that suddenly you could bring your billion dollar enterprise down there and have everything work out it just does not make any sense i think everybody's just getting the cabin
2: fever is getting to an extreme obviously you've seen the protests and everything like that and happened in certain states and like you said now it's now georgia's opening up is tennessee still planning to open up too I Wasn't heard but haven't, yeah. I haven't t- Oh, oh no.
0: god, I hope not. That was
2: the other that was the other state that I saw. It was it was Tennessee and Georgia and look, I Texas. mean it, Texas, Texas, Texas too?
0: Yeah, Texas.
2: Okay. So, yeah, so all so they're trying and and look, it's I remember at the beginning there was this concern that when we try to open back up that it would be too soon and then and then there would be another kind of uh, bump in the curve or whatever in the wrong direction and all these things like it, it, I I get it that people want to go out and people want to get after it again. I I haven't what I haven't been able to put my uh, fully understand with the NBA and the NHL, for that matter, and all this is it just does not seem realistic that you're going to be able to have a champion here this year. And no matter what you do, it's going to push the the season back to an unbelievable distance where now you have to your next season is going to be impacted And, And in some cases pretty significantly I mean the NHL starts later than I mean earlier than the NBA does so they're going to get pushed back and then and then who knows what happens with the NBA I know that was at the Hawks GM wanted to kind of push back the schedule anyway so that way they're not competing with football in the same capacity anymore but I just think this is this is the wrong way to go about it I think they're trying to force the issue and it's going to push it back to such a degree where it's, it's going to create more issues later down the line. I understand money is a problem, but to me right now, it just doesn't seem realistic, especially when the one of the other places that they were looking at, the NBA was looking at, at doing a neutral site was Las Vegas. And oh, then boy. we see the, the Las Vegas mayor talking about opening up casinos and being like a, oh, a, a that, control that
0: interview was crazy.
2: Right. So, like, th- th- these are these are the places that you're looking at that are interested in possibly playing host. In w- it doesn't sound like it's going to go end well if you go and do something like that.
1: I, I am concerned that there is a very easy potential to get the NBA on a track that will be hard to get off of in terms of momentum. Uh, that will force some some difficult conversations and potentially hard decisions. Um, that may be a slightly less aggressive movement back towards opening could have avoided. I do see why there was concern about players, you know, just of their own free will. They can't stop them. I mean, I suppose they could say, well, you can't play, but if too many start to do it, then what do you do? If they start to go down to Georgia on their own or any place that's open. Um, so they're kind of in a rock and a hard place, but I mean, like, what are what are teams that can't open their press? I mean, we're looking for at least two more weeks in Massachusetts and probably longer, based on what the governor has been saying there. Um, and I'm sure that there are other places, like the Knicks, I don't think the Knicks are going to be opening up their facilities any time before at least June, if not sooner. There's just so many things going on in terms of what could derail this internally, externally. It, seem, it seems like they kind of jumped the gun on this, and I'm, I'm really concerned um, on how it's going to end up playing out.
0: We're not healthcare workers, and I think that's, a, I suppose, an important caveat. Uh, a flattened curve is is still a number of Patients that are far above what capacity in our healthcare infrastructure is across the country. So even if we flatten the curve, which is a, a, a wonderful goal, it's not like this thing has gone away. We're very we're many months away from a decline in cases and uh, the coronavirus. So yeah, I mean not to beat a dead horse, but I just don't see how the league can think that. I mean maybe private facilities people can i guess go to the gyms safely here and there but at scale i don't think that that's reasonable at all
2: it's gonna to take too long for these guys to get i mean it's gonna take a while for these guys to get ready i mean they, they i remember when we were on a call with uh, i think it was ennis Cantor a while back and he was saying they need play players are gonna need two to three weeks to get ready i think it was Maybe it was maybe it was longer than that, but it was a while. And then you had, I think, Gordon Hayward said the same thing as well. So it's gonna take. They're, they're gonna need time. So they're trying to jumpstart it, and I get it, it. You know, if if teams send players to Georgia or or whatever it is, they open up their facilities. But even then, it's still gonna take a while. You're, it's they're forcing the issue. But I think at the same time, guys, if they don't have a contingency plan ready, that hey, you know what, we're gonna be able to open it up if they're not ready and they're not at least thinking like, yes, we're going to open up, then there's zero chance of it happening. I still think there's no chance that we're going to see the season concluded, and I mean a postseason concluded, um, but I, they, they have to do what they're doing right now. They have to, I, I guess in a sense, go through the motions yeah. because otherwise what's the point? They may as well just cancel.
1: True. Well, rather than beating the horse to death, as you suggested, I wanted to maybe shift gears again and return to how we are creating and consuming sports. Now, there is, you know, putting on my anthropologist hat here, or, 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 um, There, there is a theory of publics that was created by a scholar named Benedict Anderson that focuses on media consumption. In modern society, we use certain kinds of images and languages to you know, connect with, um, define ourselves as part of belonging to an imagined community. And without media, modern communities, because of the way our society works, they, they can't really stay coherent. So if we aren't writing about things, if we aren't podcasting about things, if we aren't reading about things and watching things and then sharing those things together, our community starts to break up. It starts to go elsewhere and become something else. So we found a way to to make old things new again with rebroadcasts and found ways to talk about events like The Last Dance, which we are currently trying to hurdle through this podcast to get to watch. Um, (laughs) What are our thoughts on the public of the NBA and greater basketball community? Because it's kind of all merged at this point because there's no basketball anywhere. We're all looking for basketball, whether we're WNBA fans, whether we're strictly NCAA fans or, you know, NBA fans, like, what do you guys feel about the turn that our community has taken in terms of media production and consumption? I mean, are you enjoying it? I mean, is it just better than nothing? Um, Do we want to, you know, ban horse from being legally played in any state? I mean, what's going on? (laughs) Well, I
2: think the the draft stuff that we've all been kind of doing and looking ahead to that has mm-hmm. been good because now I think everybody's much more familiar with this draft class than they are maybe any draft class.
0: Yes, yeah.
2: <laughs> you, you want to look to the future, and right now that's all that there is to look forward to. But we don't even know when that's necessarily going to be. I would be more likely to I would be more likely to bet that we will see the draft be at the normal date this year, the scheduled date, versus us seeing the NBA. Like have a postseason or in any capacity. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think that that's the best thing right now. I like the history stuff, you know, getting to look back and see different games, different moments. I didn't know this happened that day or whatever. Or it took like, so long for a certain guy's number to get retired, whatever. All these different things. So yeah, I, I do. Um, and, and you find little random factoids you just you didn't even know to begin with. So so yeah, that's been good. But at the same time. It's just it, it is strange to not have anything new to react off of or or you know learn about whatever. So that that's there are things there are moments you know you, you, but even then like Draymond Green talking about Kevin Durant in the Nets case that's talking about old things. We're learning new stuff but it's like stuff that happened a year ago. So it, it's just there's no new drama there's no new excitement and, and honestly the the old games are fun but. It's, it doesn't have that same feel that they normally do because, like, this is all there is. This is all you're going to get.
0: It's really endearing and wonderful. I mean, I really love, Justin, that you opened with this kind of idea of community. Um, and I think within, like, the digital NBA world, there are, it's part and parcel. Um, I mean, because we are members of the content creator community. We are members of the Celtics fans community or people who cover the Celtics anyways. Um, so it's really great to still be in touch with, the people, um, at least online, that I have a relationship with, and to see how people are being honest with the way they're struggling, just see how people are succeeding and being uh, creative. Uh, But at the end of the day, not to be a Debbie Downer, but at the end of the day, the thing that kind of anchors all of it is the basketball. Um, And so there's some really fascinating and wonderful ways that people are communicating with one another and sharing and and telling stories but without the game that we love it it only has so many legs so uh thank goodness we do have this community and this world but it's it's pennies on the dollar you know now another that was such a bummer sorry no
1: it's really (laughs) i mean that's it's the world that we're living in right now and as much as it is painful Painful to think about. I mean, we're already seeing the effects. I mean, lots of lots of my peers have been um, furloughed and don't know when or if they're going to get their job back. Um, I am lucky to have been able to hang on to my work with USA Today. But, I mean, we're, we're having to work, you know, twice as hard. Uh, to create the same amount of engagement with with readers because you know, not everyone wants to read about history. Some people don't have the ability literally to read because they are working more than they've ever been working before. Um, Lots of people can't shelter in space. There's so much going on right now that is not okay. And it's okay to acknowledge that I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I mean, for example, I have been, I'm normally covering the Celtics over for WEI in Boston too, because that's where I live. But Right now, you know, I'm dealing with the same thing you talk about, people getting furloughed. you know, you know, Justin, and mm. it's it's weird. It's a weird time and I'm not the only one at the website that has to deal with it and I know it it's it's it gets to people and it's tough and it's not easy and then having to like you said do the same amount of work, well, same amount of production, but you kind of have to work a little bit harder to produce that same amount of content. It's it's just a it's a bizarre time, but I think the best thing that we can do is just except that this is the way it is and it is out of all of our controls. And then you just got to, once you realize that, then you just, I mean, I guess you got to have a little bit of faith in all of it. I, I, that's kind of what I've been doing.
1: Yep. <laughs> just uh, I think that the big elephant in the room is what Cam put his finger on is that this, it's, it's, it can't go on forever. You know, there's going right. to come a point and probably coming sooner than we think that the NBA is going to have to make a decision. Are we headed down a path that is really just undeniably immoral? Never to not to say, You know, unprofitable, uh, but immoral in the sense that it will put too many people's lives at risk. And it's a very real situation that we kind of all want to hope doesn't happen. But it's something that we need to think about. Uh, Many, many people out there are going to be, you know, dealing with situations where they are furloughed indefinitely, that their favorite form of entertainment is unavailable. I mean, we're not just talking about, you know, sports. Anything that requires multiple people being in close proximity is not happening. So I don't know. One of the things that we are seeing um, in terms of how people are reacting to this um, is something I also wanted to, you know, take a little dash of uh, social theory to look at. Uh, There's this guy Guy Debord. He's a French um, philosopher and social scientist who created this um, concept called the Society of the Spectacle that in modern society and this is related to this benedict benedict anderson uh, benedict anderson thing uh that i was talking about earlier um very different person very different century um Society of the Spectacle is this idea that in modern society, because we don't have the organic connection to the small, close-knit uh, society that existed throughout most of our, our history, uh, we we relate to each other through images and narratives and representation, rather than concrete interactions, except for a very small group of people. So you wearing your Celtics jersey, you know, like I ran into someone in Teotihuacan wearing, wearing a giant, um, baggy Ray Allen jersey, and I immediately had a friend you know (laughs) so that's just one example of this and so one of the things that we particularly early we were not doing it quite as much but particularly early after the the lockdown began uh one of our only sources of media for a while was what the people were doing in the nba the the players the general managers the coaches etc what they were all doing uh in response to the pandemic on social media um And I thought we could talk about different ways that people are kind of, you know, representing themselves. Not to say that it isn't themselves, because you can represent yourself in a very authentic way. But what we're doing when we are on social media is a representation. It's a a performance of ourselves. Uh, And that's, you know, again, not to say in any kind of a pejorative way that it's fake. It's real. It's very real. It's very often who we are. And I think representative of a lot of who these players are. Um, one of the biggest things I wanted to talk about are how you know NBA players in particular um, are giving. You now we're seeing amazing things um, from like Smart giving his literal blood to people, all the mm-hmm. way down to people giving uh, burritos. Um, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean I think it's great seeing guys across the league doing things like this. And um, you know, for the Celtics, they have they have quite a few who've stepped up big time. I think Kemba did some stuff too, and. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what you this is what you kind of expect from people who have a lot. You give back, and especially when you see what everybody on the front lines is doing and and how much they're sacrificing, both in their time and their safety and everything. I mean, it's it's huge. So people who have right now should be looking to give back wherever they can, and try because that's the only way they can help right now. They can't you can't have Gordon Hayward go out and I don't know uh, take take someone's blood or temperature or whatever you like, you you don't want him doing that so i think right now these guys offering their money and giving back when they've made so much from some of these people who are either sick or putting their lives on the line by trying to help the people who are sick i think it's it's the best thing that they can do right now
0: yeah and i'll narrow that scope i mean i think the celtics in particular employ right now some really thoughtful charismatic um worldly kids and Kids is the right word, because Jalen Brown is in his early 20s, and yet he seems to have such a grasp on not just the gravity of the situation that is facing the country and the world, but then also the way that his platform can be used for good. Um, I would definitely echo those sentiments for Marcus Smart. So, I mean, uh, Justin, to go back to this idea of this imagined self-selected community that we, uh, or at least the listeners maybe are a part of, this online Celtics community, uh, it's so great to have such tremendous upstanders, um, in a really difficult time, even, I mean, Anis Cantor is a juggernaut of good, in my opinion. Um, but you even have people like Taco Fall and others, um, players who don't have the same platform or the same resource or the same, uh, I would say even like political capital, but they're still doing what they can using, um, social media and what other things to put out a positive message to share, hopeful or helpful information. It's just, it's entertaining. It's really great that um, Gordon Hayward is streaming and that Jalen is going on Instagram Live and all these things, but then they're also doing things that I think are making some sort of uh, impact. So it's just, it's really tremendous uh, to see out of, again, the Celtics are like one of the youngest teams in the league and maybe it's my Celtics media bubble, but it seems like they're among the most engaged and outspoken players uh in this moment
1: i'm in the same bubble but i'm seeing it too so i don't disagree with you before we move on um from the the things that people are giving um, if anyone is listening uh, who knows the answer to this, I want to understand why no one is getting and or distributing uh, protective gear for first-line responders. Because, I mean, the food is great. The blood plasma that, that is absolutely critical. But I'm just real curious. I'm not saying that no one is doing something. I'm assuming there's a reason, because no one else on any other team that I've seen is doing this either. I'm just really curious why, since we know that there is a lack why it's not happening? Maybe it's political. Maybe I, there's I think reasons. Justin.
2: It's it's actually pretty. I think it's become a fairly complicated process to get those things. I know the Nets governor actually, Joe Tsai, was mm. able to get masks and everything. But yes. even even when like this is the only one. Hitman um, and his and his wife, and then Stephon Marbury got some stuff. But even then, I don't think he could get stuff donated. He got it at cost for New York. But it, it's some reason. I mean, I think the Patriots helped. Uh, facilitated delivery to with their private plane, but then, mm-hmm. I don't know, the Globe said something about how they, they weren't the right type of masks that people need. They, were, they weren't uh, like the non, nine they were like the 9N5. They were canine. I don't know. Like God forbid people make a mistake when they're trying to help out. But I, so I think there's, um, I, I just think that th- that process has become a little bit more complicated, and that's why there aren't as many people who are making, the, who are donating it, those types of um, things of PPE.
1: I suspect that there was something like that going on because a regular commenter in our, our, our Celtics Twitter community uh, brought that point up, and it was a very good one, but I assumed you know, that so many smart people by now have not put their heads together to figure out why this isn't happening for a reason, basically. Um, we see all kinds of you know, funny videos being posted online, people just kind of relating what's going on in their lives. This has all been very entertaining, but let's get to something that was very nuts entertainment uh that being the horse tournament uh (laughs) (laughs) honestly i would much rather see one-on-one just like take some guys quarantine them and get you know four or six or eight people in a one-on-one tournament while we're waiting um, do you guys have any other ideas? I mean, we're seeing like rewatching and, and, you know, returning to old discussions. Um, what else could we be seeing that is not as bad as horse?
2: Well, there's nothing that's, is, that's worse than horse. I mean, that even, that was even worse than the 2k tournament and they had, I mean, that, that, that could have been done a lot better too. I mean, Derek, I watched the, the Kevin Durant, and Derek Jones Jr. matchup and Kevin Durant at least tried to talk, but Derek Jones Jr. was nothing more than, yeah. Uh huh. Mhm like it was just one word it's like you're on a show you got to talk i get you want to win and everything and you're going against KD but jeez at least yell I, you know, just yell yeah. <laughs> something something it was that was terrible but you know one thing i saw early on in uh, in the quarantine, and I I think I'm sure he, he had to, was told to stop or something. But Rob Perez, um, Worldwide Wob from the Action Network, he was doing like director's cuts for certain games from way back. So I think he did some Warriors, Cavs games from the those title runs, and there were some other ones mixed in. I think some Lynn Sanity stuff too, because he's a Knicks guy. I think that would be a good idea. Is if you could get maybe on ESPN, or you could do it on the local broadcast too. You have old broadcasts of games and then you have certain players who are kind of uh, I don't know I, I don't know how you do the video. Maybe you use StreamYard, I'm sure there are other other ways you could do it. I mean Rob did it on his Twitter and it was it looked pretty fine to me. I think if you did something like that where you have guys commentating over the game, you could have, you know, whatever. If the Celtics, it was Paul Pierce and KG. You could have Gorman on in the background or whatever. But Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, I don't know, Eddie House. They're doing them before the game. Have them talk during the game. I'd rather hear those insights about what's going on, what was really said to them
0: in that moment. That would be, I think, I would love to see that kind of stuff. NBA TV used to have, like, a roundtable uh, program that I thought was pretty good and pretty well made. They could uh, bring that back. I, I mean, there'll be things here and there like they could resurrect Shaqton and stuff um, I saw a headline today can the Celtics put together the best trade offer for Giannis Tentacumpo? which is to say that people are grasping the straws I think from a content <laughs> perspective and we know everyone on this call knows that that probably got a lot of clicks and it was probably uh, performed pretty well but uh, I just as a spoiler I don't think the Celtics will be trading for Giannis um, I've so seen I've, this
1: movie before it's, it doesn't end well
0: I mean that's just that you usually see that kind of article in like maybe early September, late August, and so the fact that it's already coming out and it's not even May tells you where we're headed from a content perspective. Uh, Yep. I think that the NBA is positioned unlike other sports uh, because it has so much personality and it has so many players that do well with the spotlight. I mean the strength of this Jordan documentary, aside from how phenomenally well made it is, is How interesting and charismatic, and I don't want to make light of this word, but like nearly sociopathic Michael Jordan is. I mean, he's recounting the headache thing 35 years later, and he's he's on the edge of his seat. He's so angry, and there's so many characters in the NBA that have this like passion, and they can turn it on. I mean, apparently not Derek Jones Jr. So I think (laughs) here and there we'll see moments of creativity uh, where. NBA players lend their personality, their knowledge, their memories. And people like Wobb and Chase Serrano and humble idiots like us try to uh, provide a spotlight for those things. So uh, even the Celtics, I mean, Mark Wahlberg, LL Cool J, and uh, a bunch of other people had a Zoom call with the Celtics uh, recently. And I would love, I don't know why they wouldn't stream that. I would love to watch that call. Uh, The Bruins did a reunion of their 2011 team and that was just so entertaining. I would really, really enjoy a 2008 Celtics Zoom call. Uh, it probably wouldn't be uh, meet uh, FCC regulations because it would be so laced with profanities, but I would love to see it.
1: Well, I think that's probably a good place to step, also because we're getting pretty close to the start of the documentary. So I guess let's just leave it with our prediction on what percentage odds we're going to see the season start back up. And maybe we can just do this from time to time uh, until we know for sure. And just to see how we feel right now, I'm leaning 51% in favor of the season starting back up. And that might sound optimistic, but I was as high as like 60% as recently as a week ago. Do
0: you mean ever?
1: Oh, no, just this, just this season.
0: Like that, the 20 and then 1920 season resumes at some point.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're going to start back up again. It might not be till the new year, but I, I'm not I'm not too I'm not saying that this is the end of the NBA or anything like that. I would I would be sobbing right now if that was the case.
2: That would be yeah, that would be like that's yeah I, I, <laughs> that is that's kind of weird because I think there are some people who do think this is the new norm. Like when, I've watched a lot more of of the New York governor talk than anybody else so far and all this because New York was obviously the epicenter of things. But he's he's calling things a new norm, but it's like it's the new norm, but not it's not gonna, I, I don't expect it's going to be like this in, in a year. No. Even I would th- think if we have the vac. Once we get the vaccine, things will be fine. It's a temporary. 70. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It will. Things will come back to normal. It's just going to take a while, and that's why I'm more along the lines of like, I I think, I think the league will try. I actually feel confident that they will try. Maybe like a like a 70% that they will try, but I don't think we'll see the season. I I think it'll be like what we saw happen. It was in China, right? They tried to restart three times or whatever it was, or was it Japan they tried to restart three times? And then it just never got off the ground. I think that's what we're going to see with the league. So to see an actual game played, I'd put it at like 20% on my end confidence.
0: Yeah, uh, Cuomo, I think I talked about this last time, Cuomo had a really funny bit where he talked about why you can't play basketball, and he kind of got into the minutiae of how important it is to play like close on-ball defense. <laughs> I thought that was so hilarious. And When you were saying maybe they could have a one-on-one tournament, at the very least, um, Governor Cuomo would say, no, it's not in the cards. Uh, the The Daily ran a podcast on Monday um, where they brought a doctor in. I wish I remembered his name. He kind of talked about... Um, where we're at and where we're going, and he kind of used uh, a bunch of different data points and, and things that he has been learning from uh, people in the know about where we're at. And this is such a terrible note to land on, but one of the things that he mentioned was the fastest that we've ever created a vaccine and disseminated at scale was the measles vaccine, I think it was, and it took four years. Um, so I think we're going to ask, we're gonna have to have big existential questions while we try to develop vaccines or rapid testing. But until then, I think we're going to ease our way out of social distancing and ease our way back in and in and out. And so maybe in one of those periods we can have maybe in September or something you can have a truncated playoffs and put a bookend on the twenty the nineteen twenty season. But uh, there's so many things that could happen between now and then. So fifty one percent feels.
1: strangely optimistic yes strangely (laughs) optimistic
0: is a great way to put it um so yeah on the happy note i mean i i don't feel great about the odds of something that looks normal like normalcy coming back for a a while
1: Uh, honesty is never never bad and i think it's also a good place to stop in that we need to emphasize testing folks we need testing we need testing not just for nba basketball but for something vaguely resembling regular life so i'm not going to tell you to get political but uh look into testing and why it's important and then form your own opinions and do what you want with that yeah um, can i can <laughs> i end up the question
0: yeah i saw a headline recently that two cats had uh tested positive for covid um who the hell gave
1: these cats a test seriously oh, right? is, that, is that did that really happen thing when i saw the tiger tested positive yes and, yeah, like, it, why are why are animals getting COVID-19 tests? I mean, that's its to... own
0: morality question, but I I don't think your house cat deserves a COVID test over a human being.
1: Um, well, thankfully, yeah, I have my earphones <laughs> on. My cat doesn't murder me in my sleep, but... All right, <laughs> well... <laughs> If you have not already unsubscribed. uh, (laughs) Sorry to alienate all the cat uh, lovers out there. (laughs) That's all good. Um, You can find the pod on most podcatcher apps. And you you can resubscribe if you did get rid of us after that. Uh, So you can never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. If you don't like something like, you know, hatred against cats. Um, Or you have a suggestion, make sure you let us know with a comment on Twitter with the hashtag CLPOD. We are, as usual, always trying to bring you the deepest dives into Celtics coverage, even when there isn't very much. Stay safe, y'all. Take care.
0: Thanks, everyone.